I want to share a message today that I've given it a title, and it's called Dealing with Ourselves in Times of Crisis. Luke chapter 22, if you have your Bible there or any kind of device at home, I'm going to be reading just one verse, verse 62. And now let's pray together. Father, I thank you, God, with all my heart today, Lord, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for the strength that you give. I thank you for the power. I thank you, God, that you will override my frailty today, Lord, for the sake of your people. God, that you will speak. Lord Jesus Christ, speak into the hearts and lives of your people. Those that are gathering all around this world and all through the city and surrounding area, Father God, in Jesus' name, give strength, Lord, at this time. And help us, Lord, to be the life and the light that you promised that we would be. Give us that oil that you promised for our lamps in this darkened time so that we can show others the way to safety in Christ Jesus our Lord. So thank you, God. Thank you for the anointing. Oh, God, thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 22, one verse, verse 62. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now in this season of his life, Peter the apostle was dealing with a bitter disappointment in himself. You know, in uh, in the Gospel of Luke, again, chapter 22, verse 33, Peter had built up an image of himself in his mind, which had crumbled in in a time of crisis. In verse... 33, here's what he said. He said, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And so Peter had, he had crafted this scene in his mind of, of, of what kind of a person he was, the depth of his loyalty, the depth of his courage, for example. It's interesting to note that Jesus never said anything about going to prison. Peter came up with that all by himself. He had never, ever one time mentioned going to prison. But I can see Peter in his mind sees himself sitting in a jail cell, just me and Jesus. I told you, Jesus, I would be here when you needed me. I told you that I wouldn't abandon you. I told you that I would be faithful. And who knows what what kind of a scenario he had in his mind about following him to death. I mean, he was sincere. He was really sincere. But in a time of crisis, everything that he thought he was came crashing down. And of course, there's nothing like crisis to reveal uh, what's really inside of us. The, the water in the cup, I heard this morning, somebody told me the water in the cup is just fine. It sits there near the brim. And, and when you shake the cup, you find out exactly what's inside of it because it comes spilling out. There's not one of us today that wants to think of ourselves as weak or cowardly or self-serving or deficient in our parenting or our marriages or our friendships. You and I, We all know that we're going to fast and pray in times of crisis. We're going to seek only the welfare of others while we deny ourselves. This is what we profess. This is what we believe we are. It's what we believe we will do. All of us are the same. Folks, we're all like this. We, we, We craft an image. We've studied these things. We know what right is. We know what we should be doing. And so... We, have, we, we create an image of how we're going to respond when a season of crisis comes. That is, until the crisis is here, until the crisis hits. We're going to fast, as I said. We're going to pray. We're going to deny ourselves. We're going to be looking out only for others and not ourselves. I had a, 
a young Christian lady that really loves the Lord, she texted me this. She said, when this whole shelter in place thing is over, will the producers of my 600 pound life be contacting me or should I contact them? How does this thing work anyway? You know, she's fine. She's at home and instead of fasting and praying and reaching out, she's eating everything in the cupboard that she can get her hands on because crisis will bring about um, some things about our character that we're not aware of. We didn't think we were like this. You know, we're a generation that's in touch with our feelings. We all know how to communicate. We've, we've read all the books. We've attended all the seminars. We've made vows and promises to one another. We, we have more access to more information about communication than we've ever had in our lifetime. So we are people who are going to be able to communicate until crisis uh, of actually having to deal with each other comes because all of the other distractions are gone. There's a whole website counseling now available online for husbands and wives that actually have to deal with each other because they're 24-7 uh, having to sit in the same rooms in their apartment or their home. And they're finding out how little they have an ability to actually communicate because all the distractions are now gone. They can't go out to the work. They can't go to various other functions and places. So they actually now have to sit and talk. And it's in these times of crisis that people are starting to find out it's not quite, we're not quite the people that we thought we were. And of course, the thirdly, and, and I find this one very humorous, because this generation of parents are the best ever, aren't you? We are not going to make the mistakes that our parents made. I said that about my parents, they probably said that about their parents, and you said that about your parents. We, everyone's aware of the mistakes that their parents made, and as parents, they're going to be the best ever. We're not going to make the mistakes that our parents made. We're going to run, run, run to every event, every game. We're going to go to every play. We're going to attend every concert, and there's nothing we're not going to do. We're going to be the best parents ever, and our kids are going to be the best kids in the history of the world, and that is until crisis comes and homeschooling begins. And there's a lot of folks that are homeschooling right now, and, it's, and I've been reading things online that people are posting about homeschooling. One father said, how do I get this kid transferred out of my class? Another person said, I looked out my window and I saw my neighbor Tammy in her driveway scraping. My kid is an honor student sticker off the back of her van. <laughs> and this is my absolute favorite. This is a little boy. His name is Ben. Ben, I'm assuming, is about five or six years old. And he wrote in his journal, it's not going good. My mom is stressed out. My mom is getting confused. We took a break so my mom can figure stuff out. And I'm telling you, it's not going good. So that's out of the mouth of this, this little boy. So we, we all have a self, an image of ourselves, and we believe that. We believe that we are what we are not. And that, of course, is the dilemma of humankind. Remember in the Garden of Eden, the theology that Adam and Eve actually partook of was that we can be godly in our own strength without God. We have within ourselves the resources to choose what is good and what is evil and to be the people that, that we need to be without having to really adhere to God or to lean on him for strength or direction or guidance, that we have the resources within ourselves to be the people that God has called us to be. And there's really nothing like crisis to bring to the surface the reality that we're not, any one of us, we're not what we thought we were. 
put our best efforts forward, put our, our best communication books on the table, put our best parenting skills uh, out in the open, and all of it, as the scripture once said, falls short of the glory of God. All of us. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Luke chapter 22 and verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Now, Jesus was trying to speak to Peter about his lack of inner resource, but he wasn't able to hear it yet. And, and that's the dilemma of all of us. We, we think we are more than we are. We think we are stronger than we are. You know, there are a lot of people listening to me online right now. You, you didn't think you would panic the way you are panicking right now. You thought your confidence um, of, of the of provision of the future was stronger than it actually is. And you are wringing your hands. We, we, it's easy to sing the songs of faith when there's no real crisis around us. But when crisis comes then we begin to find out how much faith we really have. Think about the disciples. They had just, they'd just come from seeing Jesus take a little boy's lunch and multiply it uh, so profoundly that thousands of people were fed. But the Bible says that they, they, they didn't consider this miracle. They didn't consider that, that Christ is able to provide everything that we need. And leaving that moment and going across the sea, they came into a storm. And in the midst of the storm, that's when they begin to cry out, Lord, do you not care? that we perish. They had forgotten his ability to provide. They had forgotten that he can take the little that we give to him and he, could, he alone is able to multiply it and give us the strength that we need, not just for our own nourishment, but for the sake of others that are around us. It all comes from his hand. Peter, I tell you, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny three times that you know me. Now, verse 35 of Luke 22 is where it gets interesting. He said to them, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. In other words, I sent you out and I, I told you, don't take anything with you. Don't take any money, any provision. Don't even take a knapsack to carry your possessions on your back. And don't even trust in your own ability, your own shoes, which signifies that. And he says, did you lack anything? And they said nothing. So when I sent you, when I am your source. When I am your supply, you'll find that you lack nothing. I, I will give you, in a sense, all that you need to undertake the journey that I've called you to undertake. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. These things, God says, I'm, if, if you are following my leading, if you are leaning on me for your supply, you will lack nothing on the journey that's set before you. Now, verse 36 is where it gets interesting of Luke 22. It says, then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written to me shall be accomplished in me. He was numbered with the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. Now, so this is a very, very interesting passage of scripture. Now, he's actually quoting Isaiah chapter 53. And, and what it means is that he, he walked with us in our weakness. He walked with us in our folly, our failing, our misunderstandings of, of the reality of, of that we don't have the resources in ourselves to be that which God has called us to be. And he was actually numbered with us. He, he took the journey with us. But in Isaiah 53, it, it finishes by saying, and he made intercession for us. He walked with us. 
He's familiar with our struggles. Then he went to a cross and paid the price for the separation that you and I had from God the Father. He shed his blood so that we can be restored to God, so the strength of God can become ours again. Here's what, how I read this passage of scripture. He said, when I sent you, you didn't lack anything. But now, gather all you can. Gather your money bag, gather your knapsack, gather your sword. In other words, provide for yourself, provide your own journey, plan your own, uh, your own direction, find all the strength you can find that you can muster, and even buy your own sword. Try to get the ability to, to fight this fight in your own strength. And uh, let's see how good it is. And so it seems almost like a contradiction, but it's not. Because if, if you understand, the struggle of humankind is to be as God is without God. So he said, when I sent you, you lacked nothing. Now I'm going to tell you, you gather everything you can gather. Gather your own strength. Gather your own provision. Gather your own ability to fight. Gather it all. And we're going to start now on this journey, of course, which was going to lead to the cross, where he paid the price for the folly of humankind, the sin of humankind. And you see, it makes sense now when you, from this passage of scripture, it wasn't long before they were in Gethsemane and Jesus was in this incredible, fierce battle uh, for the redemption of humankind. And he was praying and three times he went into that garden and began to pray. He had Peter and James and John with him. And he said, please stay here, watch with me, watch with me for and pray with me for the, the temptation is great and the, the, the struggle is the, the time is dark and there's a tremendous struggle. And in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 40, he came out from praying before his father and he said to Peter alone, not to James and John, just to Peter. He said, what could you not watch with me one hour? You see, here's what he's trying to get across. Peter, you said you would, you said you would go with me to prison and you said you would follow me even to death. But Peter, you see, with your own resources, your own knapsack and your own sword in your own strength. You can't even pray for one hour. You see, this battle is too great for you. And so I'm going to lead you to a place where you're no longer going to lean on yourself. You're no longer going to be undertaking this journey with this false image of your own bravado and your own loyalty and all the rest of these things that you've conjured in your own heart. And you see, we're going to have to now deal with truth because crisis is going to produce the truth of what you really are without the presence of God in your life. And so we go back to where we began, Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 55. It says, now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. His first denial is, I don't know Christ. I don't know him. After a little while, another saw him and said, you're also of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. So first of all, he denies, his, by his behavior, he denies Christ. Then secondarily, he denies the people of God, his brethren. And then about an hour later, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. So he denies his behavior becomes a denial of the reality of his relationship with Jesus Christ. Crisis has produced this in the life of Peter. And secondarily, he denies, in a sense, his, his brothers and sisters who were 
in relation with him now because of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, denies the very place that he's been born and come from. And he never thought he could ever do these things. And you and I, we don't know what we really are until crisis drives it right to the surface of our life. Then we find out what's really going on in our hearts. In spite of all of our profession and all the beautiful songs we've sung where we were, we were so sincere in a sense, and we really meant it. Where he leads me, I will follow. And though none go with me, still I will follow. You know, I've decided to follow Jesus. And we sing it with such fervency and, and, and such eloquence. And, and yet now we're at the point where maybe not very many are going with us. And we have to deal with the reality in our own heart. Instead of reaching out, instead of, instead of standing up and being bold, instead of having confidence in God, instead of encouraging one another, we want to back away and our lives actually become a denial of everything that we have said that we believe. Everything that we believed about ourselves starts just falling through our fingers and melting through the sand as it is. And this is what happened to Peter. And the scripture says, he went out and wept bitterly. And I, I, I feel in my heart there's, there's like a, a bitter weeping in some people that are listening to this because you're disappointed in yourself. You're disappointed in your own response. You're disappointed in a sense, you thought you were more than you are. You thought with all the learning, all the, all the scripture, you know, all the things that you've studied, you thought that, wow, I, I thought I was beyond this. And, and instead of being filled with, you know, I, I, I taught others, for example, maybe about the storm. And when Jesus stood up and said, where is your faith? And I knew all of this stuff, but here I am wringing my hands. Here I am at home saying, Lord, don't you care that, that I perish? Here I am worried about the food in my cupboard and couldn't care less about my neighbor in spite of my, my, the, the sweet things that my lips have uttered. And I, I find that I'm in a place, oh God, of disappointment. And I'm in a place where I've, I feel like I've, I've let you down. But the reality is you've not let him down at all. You and I are just coming to grips with who we really are apart from him. It's really, it's just God putting up a mirror and just actually showing us our own hearts apart from him. And you see, we can either become discouraged. Peter went out and wept bitterly. He could have stayed there. He could have walked away. He could have... He could have just distanced himself from his brethren, his heritage, and from Christ himself, and just, just kept on going and say, well, I'm a fraud, I'm a failure. It, well, he was in one sense, but then again, the admission of that is the entrance into something that Jesus went to a cross to die for. You see, this is what all of us, every one of us need to understand. When we are weak, Paul said, then we are strong. It's not our strength that God is looking for. It's not our loyalty and love and ability and steadfastness. There, none of these things are in us. And if they are, they're, they're in us in a small measure in a short supply. And crisis will prove their deficiency in every case. And so there is a bitter weeping in some hearts. There are people saying, I, I thought I was way beyond this. I thought that when moments like this might come that I would be the one standing in the boat saying, hey, everybody, just calm down. There's nothing to worry about. Christ is with us. And yet I'm, I'm screaming with everybody else, Lord, don't you care that I perish? I thought I would be one of those with a basket handing out bread to those that are starving, and yet I'm hoarding it all to myself. I thought I would be fasting and praying, and here I am eating every cracker I can find in my in my cupboard and just wringing my hands. I, I thought that I, I would be in the word of God and, and yet I find my thoughts are being bombarded 
with th thoughts of woe and a foreboding for the future. And I'm sure not only Peter, but everyone, everyone there felt the same way. I know they did because it was, it was a crisis time. And the crisis, the crisis time had brought to the surface all of the bravado had failed. All the declarations of love and loyalty had proven to be short. And you see, he, though, had walked with them. He was numbered among the transgressors. He had not forsaken his disciples just as he has not forsaken you. He's not forsaken me. He has seen our weakness all along. He has known our limitations. There's nothing hidden from him. It was only hidden from us. You see, he saw what was in Peter. It was only Peter that didn't see it in himself. And when Peter finally came to the place where he went out and just wept bitterly over his own cowardice and his own failings and his own lack of loyalty and this, all of the, his misunderstandings, when, when, when all of this happened to him and he went out and wept bitterly, Jesus, after being raised from the dead, sent word to Peter through one of his emissaries and said, you tell him to come and meet me in a place where I'm going to meet him. And I can just see now, it's John chapter 20. I could, uh, it was an upper room. It wasn't the day of Pentecost. It was another room where they were gathered, and it says, at evening, uh, when the, dis and the doors were shut for fear of the Jews. And here, here they are, these initial group of believers. And it's a crisis moment, probably deeper than anything they'd ever faced in their lifetime. Their Lord and Savior had just been crucified the people were not in, in a mood to receive his followers. It was dangerous. It was very dangerous, like it is with the coronavirus. It was dangerous for them to go outside. And people are listening to me today, and I know it's dangerous to go out and get groceries right now. It's dangerous to even go down to the post office because you don't know when you're going to run into something that might be uh, contrary to your health. And they were in a similar situation. They were in this upper room, and it was dangerous. It was dangerous to, to be identified as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I love the fact that Jesus appears in the room and he says the first thing he says to his disciples after all of this, John has fled him in spite of his declarations of love. Peter has denied and cursed with an oath saying, I don't know the man. I don't know, the, I don't know his people. And I, don't even, I, I deny even where I've come from and where I live. He's denied it all, but Jesus stands in the midst of all of their fears and all their failures and all their struggles. And after going to the cross and paying the price for their separation from God the Father, he says this one thing to his own followers. This is a people who have not been loyal. They have, they have, they've not stood up. They've not had the testimony they proclaimed that they would have. They're very keenly aware of their failings. But the first word out of the mouth of the Son of God is peace. I want you to receive that in your heart today. The first word is peace. In other words, I'm not at war with you. I'm not offended by your struggle. Your, the wringing of your hands has not shaken me from my commitment to you and my loyalty to you. I'm inviting you now into peace. You've tried to walk this walk in your own strength and you can't. Now I'm asking you one more time to put away your own strength and I'm offering you peace. I'm offering you that inner peace that passes all understanding. I'm offering you strength that doesn't come from human energy, human effort, or trying to pull up your bootstraps 
or any such like thing. I'm offering you a steadfastness in your heart, your mind, and in your life that can only come from my presence inside of you. You see, that's what the cross was all about. God's son went to the cross, paid the price for sin, which separated us from the love and the life of God. And through Jesus Christ, we were brought back into a living relationship with God where he now, in the power of his Holy Spirit, becomes our strength. He carries us. He gives us his mind. He gives us his heart. He gives us his spirit. And you and I become his people. And our testimony is not, look what I have done for God. Our testimony becomes, look what God has done for me. We are able to reach out to people who are fearful and afraid and struggling and troubled and in trial in this generation and say, I am just like you are. But in my fear and in my struggles, my trials, in all of my failure and disappointment, God came to me. The Son of God came to me and spoke peace into my heart and told me he had forgiven my sin and told me he was going to carry me and guide me and reminded me that when he sends us out, we never lack the supply for the journey. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. I can just see Peter throwing his pack sack out the window, chucking his sword in the garbage can, putting his money back, giving, maybe just throwing it out and giving it away, saying, God Almighty, I don't have the strength to do this. But Lord, I remember when you sent us that first time, we lacked nothing. And so, Lord, I'm going to trust you for the journey. I'm not going to try to do this in my own strength because I can't. And all it will produce in my heart is a bitter weeping. You've got to come and bring that peace into my mind. You've got to give me the steadfastness in my steps. You've got to give me the love I need for my neighbors. You've got, oh God, to be my strength to homeschool my children. You've got to be the one who gives us the power to communicate in our marriage. You've got to be, Lord. You've got to be everything to me that I can't be for myself, even though I thought I had the ability to do these things. He said, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. In other words, I went to a cross for you. I shed my blood so that you might be forgiven by opening your heart and receiving me as your Lord and Savior that you might be reconciled to God. You might be brought out of a place of weakness and into the strength that only God offers those who belong to him. It requires an admission. And we are so loath to admit our condition sometimes. We will so tenaciously hold to a wrong self-view. And the longer we hold to it, the weaker we become, the more disillusioned we become. It's a wonderful thing to be able to say today or any other day, Lord God, I am not what I thought I was. I don't have the strength that I thought I have. And so, Lord, I'm going to exchange this, this frail heart and this frail mind for you and for your life, for your heart and your mind that you promised to give me. They were glad, it says, when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. The Father sent me. The Father gave me. Remember in Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for these reasons. As the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. The Father didn't send me to do this on my own. Remember when Jesus was baptized. 
When he came out of the water, the Spirit of God descended upon him, and the voice of God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He was not commissioned to the Father to do this in his own strength. It was in the strength of God that he was able to walk through this life and go to a cross and pay the price for our sins. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the beauty of this whole story. When he had said this, peace to you, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. You can be sure that Peter was remembering, oh yeah, when you sent us the first time, we lacked nothing. We had all our provision, we had all the power, we had all the resources, the direction, and everything, everywhere we went, Lord, we saw your hand. He said, now, as the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. Then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this is my message to every fearful heart that's listening online today. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Spirit of God. Let God breathe on you and into you. Lift your heart, lift your hands and say, Lord God, I need your Holy Spirit. I can't undertake this journey without the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of my life. My strength has failed, but your strength is infinite and everlasting. And so, Lord, I open my heart and I receive this gift of your life, this gift of your strength, this gift of your power. I receive it into my heart and I thank you, God, with everything in me. You're not asking me to do anything, but just to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people say, well, what do I have to do? You've been doing a lot of things, and where has it brought you to? Now, you don't have to do anything. He breathed on them and said, receive. It's really that easy. God, I receive your strength. I receive what you have for me. I recognize that you're not offended by my weaknesses. You went to the cross so that I might be set free from them. And you speak peace to my heart, just as you did to your early church and your early disciples. And you breathed on them and gave them your Holy Spirit. So today, Father, I'm asking you to breathe on me and give me your Holy Spirit. So, Father, thank you for this day, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for people who are listening now in our homes and online. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, God, that you would give us the courage to let you just breathe on us one more time. We recognize, Lord, that in times of crisis, we need your Holy Spirit to go forward. They couldn't leave that room without your Holy Spirit. There's nothing they could have done. They had exhausted their supply until you breathed on them. Then you sent them from that room to another room where you came and you filled them and you gave them a vision of the future and an empowerment to stand before the people. And so, Lord, here we are as your people. And we ask you, God, to forgive us for trying to navigate this journey in our own strength. For, Lord, it has failed us. And God, we just ask you now that you would open our hearts through Jesus Christ to receive the power of your Holy Spirit. 
Make us, Lord, into what we could never be. And take us where we could never go. And give us what we could never possess in our own strength. Help us, my God, to lay down our own resources, our own reasonings, our own thinkings, our own plans, our own strategies, and even our own image of ourselves. Help us, my God, to lay it down and to let you be God in us and through us. Father, we yield our bodies to you as a living sacrifice, which you say in your word is a reasonable service. And so, God, we're asking today, we're asking, Lord, that we might be raised up by the power of the Holy Spirit to be a light in this generation, to have strength that can only come from you. God, help us to forgive ourselves of our own failings. Help us, Lord, to put this away and to recognize you've called us to be at peace. I pray, Lord, for a baptism of peace in every home, everyone who's listening online, everyone who's worried in their apartment right now, everyone who's sick, Lord, in their bed, peace, peace, peace into every situation. Peace. God, breathe in every room right now. Breathe, Holy Spirit, into every heart, every mind. God, blow away the refuge of lies, as your word says you will. And give us as your people the strength, Lord, that we need to be your people at this time. Father, thank you. God, we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.